This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. only are the Dolphins riding a five-game winning streak. It is Wednesday, and you know what that means. Welcome into Finsider Radio. This is the Jake and Josh Show, where we are being joined by Merrick Brave. Merrick joins us every Wednesday. Just want to throw that out in case we have some new listeners. Welcome to the show. Thank you guys all for joining us. It's Wednesday. We're going to get into a lot. There's so much Tua Tungvaloa hype going on. I want to talk about Christian Wilkins being him. The Dolphins are moving to primetime, and there is already some San Francisco drama. But before we get into all that action... Merrick, Josh, I'm going to say it again. I'm grateful for both of you. How you doing today? I'm doing well, Jake. Uh, excited to be joining you fine gentlemen this Wednesday afternoon. Uh, it's been a minute, but I'm here to talk Miami Dolphins football with you guys, and I'm grateful for that as well. Yeah, I'm going to piggyback on. I'm grateful for both of you and uh, grateful for my kids for at least allowing me for now to do this podcast. So as always, excited to be able to talk about the team that we love, especially after, you know, another hard-fought victory. Eric, you said it's been a minute, and and for some reason you're right. It does feel like it's been more than seven days since we talked. I don't know if it's just because there's a lot going on or, or what it may be, but um, here we are. Uh, and uh, let, let, let's get into it. Guys, we just miss his with... face. We just miss his face. That's true, because the uh, the the Twitter Abby really doesn't do justice without the Cam Wake poster behind in the Dolphins hat. That, that's really <laughs> what makes this atmosphere special. But let's get into it here. We have so much to a tongue of a little hype. And guys, I kind of want your help. I, I cannot think of a nice metaphor to define the Mike McDaniel 
uh, to a relationship. If you haven't seen, if you haven't heard, uh, I don't know who actually filmed this, but inside the NFL was posting different videos, different clips from Sunday's win against the Texans where Mike McDaniel uh, was mic'd up and he was just, he was a lot of fun to listen to. He was saying that Tua's high school film was trash. He was saying that uh, Alabama isn't the best team in the SEC. So guys, can, can you help me out here? How, how would we describe this relationship? Because it just seems so unique. You see national media picking it up because they wouldn't do it in case it wasn't a story. So, so help me out. Well, Jake, if you can't come up with an analogy, then how the hell are we supposed to do it? You're the king of analogies. So I don't know. Is it, is it Ren and Stimpy? Is it Beavis and Butthead? Is it uh, who'd be Butthead in that scenario? We'll, we'll move on. Is it, is it stepbrothers? Like after they I was kind of thinking stepbrothers or yeah. Talladega Nights. Yeah, after they do karate in the garage. Did we just become best friends? Like I think I think that's it. I think we found it. I, I wish I actually had the name of this, but there's there's this cartoon picture that always goes around where it's just two guys, you know, shaking hands, but they're not shaking hands. I don't know if you guys know which animation I'm talking about, but there's this picture that I always see on Twitter. That reminds me of that. And they're just bros, best friends, and uh whatever they have going for them, it's working, right? I think we're going to go ahead and say that that airplane, um, first of all, when Mike McDaniel was hired, the first thing they did was take a video of him on the Miami Dolphins private plane calling Tua. And, and can we say that's their karate moment? That's when they played karate together? Played karate, did karate together? <laughs> yeah, that's probably it. Because it's been uh, pretty much smooth sailing for both of them uh, since then. You know, that relationship has bloomed. Uh, they look at each other with hearts in their eyes and, and then the rest of us do the same when we watch this team play football as of late, like you said, Jake, five straight victories with, with two at the helm and, and Mike McDaniel coaching his ass off. Just it, this is, this has been a fun run and uh, I'm excited to see it continue this Sunday in Santa Clara against the Niners. Big time matchup, big time matchup. But I, I mean, I wish this was a little bit longer, right? How much of this do you think they edited out? Because two is, was a good 10 minutes long. I think, I mean, all the stuff they probably weeded through to get out of there to make sure that, you know, they weren't tipping their hand to the Mike McDaniel and the Dolphins upcoming opponents. But I love to see these guys mic'd up, love to see that they relationship they had, because I remember when Brian Flores was hired, you know, we kept hearing about how him and Tua, you know, would watch film and eat breakfast together. I mean, could you, how, how gleam and bleak must have that have been to watch? Cornflakes. Uh, yeah. You're eating cornflakes or rice krispies without sugar watch or milk toast, right? You're eating milk yeah, toast. Watch. Oh, damn. Yeah. So th <laughs> this, is a, this is definitely a breath of fresh air for sure. I heard you guys talking about milk toast on on. Tell me you episodes. ate it before, please. I don't. I don't even know what that is. I literally all. <laughs> I'm I pretty sure you just dip toast, buttered toast into chocolate. That's what I did. <laughs> Dipped into chocolate milk, dude. And I'm thinking about. It. I'm like, my parents are older. We weren't very rich. That has to be the most peasant. Yeah, I, I don't know. Milk toast is. Uh, it makes me want to throw up thinking about it now. But that was a big part of my childhood. <laughs> I, I I've never seen it. Never heard of it. Never eaten it. But if it's just dunking toast in milk, like there's much better things you can dunk in milk. You ever heard of a cookie, Josh? Graham cracker, yeah, graham crackers. <laughs> just drink the milk. Got to be better than dipping soggy bread. But it wasn't until that episode that I realized like milk toast, all this, all your life, that is what they were referring to, your breakfast. I don't know what that says about me. When in doubt, just drink the milk. That is if you're taking one thing away from this podcast today. But guys, Tua is having, I mean, it's just been an outstanding career. I'm just going to throw some stats at the wall and let me know what sticks. His 69.7% completion percentage is the only second behind Seattle's Geno Smith for quarterbacks who have thrown at least seven passes. I have to, I love when I have to add like a really ridiculous number when you're, it's obvious you're not trying to warp the stat your way, but it's like, hey, someone had four snaps. Uh, but to continue with that, his nine yards per attempt ranks first in the NFL among quarterbacks who have attempted at least six passes. 
But not only that, not only is Tua attacking downfield, he's not turning the ball over. His streak of 174 straight pass attempts without an interception is the best in the league. And guys, this is my long-winded way of asking you this. Um, Tua shared a quote about McDaniel basically saying, I've never had that. I've never experienced that. This is my first experience with the type of relationship he has with McDaniel. And guys, there's there's a lot being talked about this relationship. Yes, they are really good friends. But it seems to me we're reaching a point like McDaniel unlocked Tua. And I, I think I want to sit here and talk about this for a second because Tua's always been such a talented player. And I just feel like we're giving maybe McDaniel too much credit for making Tua look good when in reality there's there's been so many other factors that I think we need to keep in mind too, despite this being such a fun relationship. Yeah, you know, Tua talked about having that type of coach that that – you know, lifted him up instead of putting him down. And I don't know, I'm in my late thirties. I've never had that type of coach. When I played high school football in the early two thousands, everybody was still a hard ass. And that's probably yep. why I'm not an NFL quarterback. I just got to say that guys, but, uh, but no, Tua Tungavailoa has developed into, I mean, l- let's just be honest. He's an MVP candidate right now. Uh, you know, just a week ago, he was number two, had the second best odds right behind Patrick Mahomes. I'm not sure if uh, Josh Allen has crept back into the conversation with his game against the Lions on Thanksgiving. So Tua might be number three now. But regardless, to be considered an MVP candidate alongside Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, there's a lot of things that go into that. So you can give a lot of credit to Mike McDaniel. You can give a lot of credit to Daryl Bevel. Um, But a lot of that does go to Tua Tonga-Vailoa. It's his third year in the NFL. Uh, you know, you, you usually see a big jump between years two and three, what they say. Uh, he's healthy now. Uh, he has weapons around him. He has a solid offensive line in front of him. Just a lot of things are going to his way, but he's certainly putting in the work and making an effort to be the best quarterback that he can be. And the best quarterback he can be is a damn good quarterback. And we're all enjoying, you know, the fruits of his labor this season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say Tua won't eventually reach this point. You know, if we did, you know, God forbid, make a trade that, you know, no one really wanted to happen. You know, he goes elsewhere. I do eventually think he turns into this player, but right now it's just a perfect storm. Yes, you brought in an offensive mastermind that, you know, has built this offense to his strengths. Yes, you brought in those pieces around him to, you know, take some of that off of his shoulders. But uh, I think, you know, eventually we were going to see this to a time below, and it's a credit to him for working his ass off this season. I don't know if you can hear the baby. She's stoked. But, uh, yeah, credit to both of these guys because uh, we see this photoshops. You know, it does kind of remind you of the Shula and Marino on the sideline. You know, now we got uh, Tua and Mike McDaniel, and it feels pretty damn good. And the main reason I brought this up, and, and I could still be wording this wrong, but but I want to share the McDaniel quote in full where he said, I YouTubed you and I saw this Trent Dilfer thing. It was showing all your high school shit from you. And bro, your technique was trash. And that's funny. But what he says right after that, I think is even more important. He says, it's cool though. Because you see these little elements of like your swag. But yeah, you were stressed out. And I just feel like we can't ignore the fact that Tua was such a successful quarterback while being stressed out, while being under so much pressure. And it's not just like, you know, uh, his buddy pal showed up and all of a sudden things are different. Uh, I think when you consider the fact of how cold-blooded he is in the fourth quarter, the I mean, I, I really don't have any stats in front of me, but he doesn't, he has not turned the ball over. I credit that to being in such stressful, such hard situations. And since you did that, since you've gone to boot camp, you can kind of embrace things differently. And I think that's where McDaniel kind of takes it to that next level. Do you think Tua was having flashbacks when, when McDaniel said that on the sideline? You know, you looked like trash. Do you think he just saw Brian Flores like flash through his mind's eye real quick and like started sweating and, and, and almost wanted to start a fist fight there on the sidelines? Or do you think he was cool? 
it was kind of an awkward laugh. I, I'll give you that. <laughs> that he, he's he's traumatized. He's he's damaged from that. Uh, and McDaniel has done a lot to to mend his psyche. Uh, and to your point, Jake, you know, having that laid back style, that laid back attitude, while also you know demanding at least an attempt at perfection, that's really working for Tua Tungabailoa. That's really working for this Miami Dolphins football team. And count me as someone in the off season who was somewhat skeptical of the Mike McDaniel hire. Now I thought he would bring his, his offensive genius to the team and he has, but I was one of those, you know, old school dudes, I guess you could say that was like, well, will he be able to lead a group of men, you know? Yeah. You know, he, he's a small in stature kind of guy. He's got that kind of nerdy vibe to him. Um, and, and I just wondered if he would be able to lead a group of men onto, you know, a battlefield, like a, like an NFL field is. And you know what? I'm happy to admit that that I was wrong and that Mike McDaniel has been literally the best thing to happen to these Miami Dolphins since Dan Marino retired over 20 years ago. Yeah, man. Larry Tunsil. Oh, oh, yeah. Larry yeah, Tunsil. Tunsil. Did they build that statue? That statue should have been built on Sunday before that game, right? I mean, that, that was a no-brainer. But um, you wonder how much these last few seasons didn't get to it, you know, where the point is. You know, you mentioned how good he is on third down, you know, being able to stand in the pocket. I mean, when you had Jesse Davis as your offensive tackles, you know, you had some of those skill players that you were trying to fit that ball into that tight window. It has to be so much more relaxed out there with that offensive line, at least protecting from, you know, my vantage point much better. And those skill players getting all that space, you know, I threw out a stat there today from Zebra Sports, but he is just absolutely, you know, in the seam in the middle of that field. He is absolutely tearing things up. I think he had completed 18 to 25 passes for 262 yards and a touchdown against the Texans. And he is uh, throwing down the seam 56% of those snaps for a 9.1 yards per attempt. So, I mean, what we see out of Tua is a guy who's just, you know, he's feeling this offense. You see the timing, you see the anticipation. And, uh, I mean, in year one, I mean, again, I was a little bit skeptical of the hiring. You know, you maybe thought, can he put together a staff, you know, is it going to all come together? I didn't expect it to this quickly this season, but um, I'm glad I was wrong and I'm glad we can sit here and, you know, look forward to these meaningful games against some pretty damn good teams, you know, playing in December and January, which we have not been accustomed to for many years. And one thing I'll say is we've seen this in the past, right? Where first year coaches come in and they have immediate success, but it's somewhat fool's gold, you know? Gates, right? <laughs> yeah. Adam Gates, I believe Sperano also took the team to the playoffs his first year. Uh, This doesn't feel like that. This doesn't feel like fool's gold. This feels like the Dolphins are succeeding with Mike McDaniel's thumbprints all over this team. He's completely changed the vibe in the locker room. He's completely changed the vibe around the entire team. This offense has been created in in his vision, and it feels like the changes that he that he's implemented with this team are sustainable. It feels like this will last. And, and this is just the beginning of a nice window for this Dolphins team to be a Super Bowl contender. And I don't think this is going to go the way of Sperano or Gase, where you take your team to the playoffs, your first season as head coach, and then you fall off a cliff afterward. The Dolphins just signed Bradley Chubb in the middle of the season. And that's such a Making waves move. Can can you guys think back to like the Adam Gase or Sperano years where the, the Dolphins made like a trade like that where maybe it was because we had Mike Wallace, we had Dominican Sue, but those were kind of just like so obvious it was happening. Like it was just painted in the skies that the Dolphins were gonna overspend on these guys. But what I see now is a team that started out the season so strong. And not only that, but the advanced analytics back it up. I mean, I remember being in grad school when Gase was the coach and, and Jay Jai was going nuts. 
everyone I would talk to would be like, well, all the advanced analytics say these guys are complete frauds. And, you know, I did everything I can, you know, I don't yuck my yum. I want to enjoy the success. But then you get to the playoffs and you get absolutely stomped, right? And you see, okay, yep, I see exactly what you're talking about. This really doesn't have that. And to kind of continue this trend about stats real quick, I want to transition to Christian Wilkins, because when we talk about defensive linemen, I don't think stats are really what you're looking for, right? Because it's more of a watch film position. You're clogging lanes. You're taking two guys up. But guys, I read this stat and it absolutely blew my mind. Players with the most combined non-sack, tackle for a loss, and run stuffs. Christian Wilkins is tied with Jonathan Allen and Matt Milano for first with 16. I knew Christian Wilkins was having arguably the best year of his career. I did not know he was consistently that disruptive. Yeah, and Christian Wilkins, man. You're right, Jake. I mean, you're leaving me speechless here, but that that is actually a great stat. I want to say it again. Non-sack, tackle for losses, and run stuffs. And he's tied with Jonathan Allen and Matt Milano. So uh, another defensive lineman and then a linebacker. And you kind of expect those linebackers to be able to get those tackle for losses on the running backs because they're, you know, they kind of got a little better vision. They don't got to, you know, get a guy out of their way immediately like a, a defensive tackle like Christian Wilkins would. So in my mind, he's really just tied with Jonathan Allen and Jonathan Allen is a damn good player. So we got Christian Wilkins. Now we got to pay Christian Wilkins. So that's another story. I think by, you know, a lot of reports we heard this offseason and so far through the season, it sounds like the Dolphins are ready and willing to do that. Uh, you know, they traded for Bradley Chubb. They brought on his contract, but they, they've left themselves some financial flexibility. And there's some people that they can, you know, move on from next season to, to open up that cap space and get Christian Wilk. Wilkins locked in long-term, but he's a piece that you absolutely need to keep on this team. And not only is he good on the field, but he's good in the locker room as well. His energy, his presence, you know, for that defense, for this team as a whole. I mean, you see it. Dolphins score a touchdown on offense and oftentimes one of the first players to congratulate the touchdown scorer in the end zone is Christian Wilkins. And it's like, he dude, ruined Preston Williams career celebrating, yeah, but it's Killed like, you're him. not, you're not even on offense. Like, where the hell did you come from, dude? Like, he must have 4-4 speed only after the offense scores a touchdown. Like, maybe he needs to chill out on that. We can keep him fresher later in games if he's not out there, especially when the Dolphins are putting up 30 points in a first half like they did. But uh, now Christian Wilkins, Christian Wilkins is a great player for the Miami Dolphins. Happy he's on our team. And he's going to play a big role for this defense moving forward through the rest of the season. Yeah, let's not uh, discredit him. He can do a pretty good worm, too. I know we've all seen that. So, um, this, yeah, I mean, I guess the biggest question here, Jake, that you have is Christian Wilkins or Zach Sealer, and that's something that, you know, I'm going to toy with back and forth. I'm going to maybe pretend it's my money. So uh, I'm not sure which one of those guys I'd bring back. I mean, ideally, you want to bring both back, but Christian Wilkins has, you know, slowly become a superstar, and you're right. He doesn't have the godly sack numbers I'm looking at now, one and a half sacks, you know, 54 tackles. But when you're making those tackles in the backfield, when you're occupying two, you know, linemen to open things up for those guys around, you i mean um he's a special player and like merrick said on and off the field uh, i do have to throw this out there spotrack says uh they're projecting him to have a four-year deal versus 67 uh, million so 16.7 million dollars annually is what they're projecting christian wilkins next deal to be so a uh, monster contract you know we were talking about mike Gesicki last offseason a lot of people said you know you really can't sign him into a long-term deal and also you know a christian wilkins and some of these other pieces so i hope the salary cap's not real like you know we always say but uh, the Dolphins are definitely going to have to, you know, be very tedious and figure out meticulous in their way of going about Christian Wilkins and Zach Sealer because you need one of those guys at very least because they're both monsters. I wasn't really saying this as like a, a you know, 
pit them against each other. I just think it's an interesting conversation. I think we have to, though, right? I think I don't think we can sign both, but Drew Rosenhaus lingering around trying to get Zach Sealer paid, and he wants out of that uh, mobile home or whatever it is. Does he, though? Are you sure? I I, I don't know if he does. And, and two, just going to throw it out there. I mean, Stephen Ross, give him credit. I mean, he, if it's a money thing, he's he's going to spend the money, I think, when it boils down to. And I think now that he sees, like, success, I think we're going to see it taken to a whole new level, maybe even looking like the Saints. Uh, Merrick, you brought up a great point, and you got me thinking. When you talk about Christian Williams, Christian Wilson, excuse me. Oh, my Wilkins. God. A third time. Christian it. Wilkins. Here we go. <laughs> He's got that championship pedigree to him a little bit, right? You you think about when he was drafted, the Dolphins were a complete dumpster. Uh, he comes in that first round pick. He kind of takes his lumps at coming off a championship at LSU and just becomes one of those guys. And I think it also speaks volumes that with Brian Flores, he was a fantastic locker room guy. With Mike McDaniels, he's a fantastic locker room guy. To me, man, that, that might be the most impressive thing. And that instantly right there is swinging me in terms of Wilkins if we had to choose. But this also gives me the idea of come the offseason. I think we should have some fun, have someone be like a judge, and then one of us, two of us be lawyers. And we kind of talk this stuff out because, I mean, there there's so many hard decisions to make when, hey, we have a good football team. Now, now somebody is going to get mad at you, Jake. You said Christian Wilkins went to LSU. He actually did go to Clemson. So if there's ah, any, yep. if there, if there's any Clemson fans listening to the podcast, we, we, we deeply apologize, but no, Christian Wilkins is a guy you want on your football team. He was a lifeblood of that, that Clemson tiger defensive line. He came into Miami. He's doing the same thing. Now he stepped his game up each and every year. And now he's one of the impact players on the Miami dolphins defense. And I don't want to see us move forward without Christian wilkins on this team can we just front load all these contracts isn't that the way he do it just like make it all guaranteed money can we just uh, do that and make sure we lock up christian wilkins long term i think we just need to to fire byron jones and mike gasicki into the sun and we'll be all right now everyone's mad at us <laughs> no and literally everybody in the entire universe i'm gonna play the excuse card i don't do a lot of college football i went with the generic name a team that won once and just went off into the sunset and clemson you were, cl- LSU, you were close you were close all right, with that, though, let's take a little break. And on the other side, we'll be talking about the future of the Miami Dolphins. We're going to talk some Chargers. We'll talk some San Francisco and some primetime football. So stay tuned. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight, we'll break down. We break down who will be cutting. Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. The Big J rule when it comes to news is you always start not with the dog that bit a man you start with the man that bit a dog and for the first time in the history of this franchise gentlemen the miami dolphins are being flexed into prime time next sunday against the chargers 
going to be a little petty here. It kicks Patrick Mahomes out. Nobody wants to watch Russell Wilson. Guys, that's pretty cool. I, I'm not used to seeing this, and it's also making me a little queasy. Now everyone's going to be looking at us. I don't like it. I, I thought we were playing the Lions again when you were talking about dudes biting dogs. That sounds like a Dan Campbell quote. <laughs> but uh, did, speaking of petty, did you see Adam Schefter's tweet when he announced it? He said uh, the the NFL has chosen to flex out of MVP candidate Patrick Mahomes for this game. And then he showed a picture of Herbert and Tua. And I was like, yo, like Tua is legit an MVP candidate. Like he's not the favorite right now, but he is a candidate. So uh, no, this is exciting. This is really, really exciting. And man, like, can you just imagine the storylines going into this one? Like we're already talking about it, even though the, the Dolphins play the 49ers this Sunday. But I mean, you got you got Tua versus Herbert, you know, it's Dolphins fans and Chargers fans back and forth on Twitter for the next two weeks, just talking smack, you know, did the Dolphins draft the right quarterback? You know, did the Chargers miss out on a generational talent like Tua Tungabailoa? Like, this is it, man. All the cards are pushed to the center of the table. Like, this is our our in-season Super Bowl right here. And if if we could win any game, you know, outside of the division games, because those are really important, but any other game, if I'm looking at the schedule, especially because it's on primetime now, if you ask me, you can win. You can guarantee a win in any game. I'm picking this one, man. I want to see these Chargers fans drown in their tears when Tua lights them up for over three, 300, 300 yards passing, three touchdowns, and, and Justin Herbert throws a, a fourth quarter pick six to Xavier Howard. He takes it to the house and grabs his nuts on the way into the end zone and just points them right at Justin Herbert. And we say, yo, dog, we got you. We got you. I'm excited. This is, you know, this is Justin Herbert week. That's all I got to say. You can bleep that out later, Josh, but. <laughs> But we got to get past these 49ers first. But, like, I got real hyped when I saw that last night. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. Every time, you know, the Dolphins play on primetime, you get a little bit queasy because, like we talked about before, your entire family, your friends, everyone's watching those games. But this one, I mean, I'm already exhausted all season long. It's been – hurt. for the last three years, it's been Herbert Tua, right? I mean, these two fan bases do not like each other. So it's very cool that it got flexed. Obviously, like Merrick said, we got to worry about the San Francisco 49ers this week, you know, a potential Super Bowl contender there. Then they play – Justin Herbert's to a time of a low. We are going to, you know, we'll, we'll have so much fun with that. I know we all remember the last time they played to a one that game, that defense stepped up. I think Herbert even shaved his head after that game. But um, yeah, it's cool to have a team that, you know, is now getting noticed and finally getting to play on primetime. I think people are even speculating that the Bills game the week after could also be a uh, flex. So um, we're going to see the Dolphins on national TV primetime. And for all the shit we talked, you know, they better step up and do what, you know, we hope they do because if for some reason, I'm not even going to say it. If for some reason something happens, there's going to be a lot of crow that we, we as a Dolphins fan base will have to eat. But uh, I'm not even thinking that way. Eight and three Dolphins are going to take care of business this weekend. They'll take care of Herbert and then they'll fly home and take care of Josh Allen. So I'm going to, I want to get into talking about the San Francisco 49ers and I'm going to start with something. I have no stats to back this up, uh, but everyone's going off. Like, yeah, Mike McDaniel knows Kyle Shanahan, blah, 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 blah. This Dolphins defense already torched the 49ers. I think it was what 43 to 17. And and basically what I'm getting at here is you look at Kyle Allen last week, you look at what they do to Jimmy G turn him into a pumpkin. You got Justin Herbert shaving his head. What is with the, there are some quarterbacks that absolutely dominate the Miami dolphins. You see how bad scrambling quarterbacks rip apart this team and, and completely morph the stats. Why is Miami so successful at these lanky with, when it comes to lanky white guys, you know, they, the dolphins feast on, 
more stationary quarterbacks, right? And here's an interesting thing. I don't know if you saw this uh, pro football doc, Dr. David Chow on Twitter. He was taking a look at this Niners Saints game. And I don't know if you guys know this, but Jimmy Garoppolo actually injured his knee late in that game. Uh, pro football doc says he narrowly missed an MCL tear uh, that would have kept him out for a few weeks. Not anything, not significant enough to keep him out of this game Sunday to keep him from missing the game against the Dolphins. But he was a little hobbled after he took a hit from a defender low. That could actually play into the Dolphins' favor this week. Again, fake-ass doctor right here giving you my report. But if the Dolphins can get pressure with that base four like they've been able to do since acquiring Bradley Chubb just a few weeks ago, this could be a long day for Jimmy Garoppolo. He does uh, – most quarterbacks don't like to be hit, but he in particular really does not like pressure in his face – doesn't like when the when the defense is getting close. And that's kind of when you see Garoppolo kind of just chuck it up, up for grabs. Mm -hmm. You know, whoever gets it, go after it. So I do feel pretty, pretty good about our chances of getting pressure on Garoppolo. And like, I mean, I don't know. So don't get me wrong. 49ers are a good team, but their losses. Let, let's count them up. The Bears. Okay. The Broncos. The Falcons. And then they got absolutely torched by the Chiefs. But Bears, Broncos, Falcons, and people are trying to say that the Dolphins haven't beaten anybody, at least in this five-game win streak. Well, if you go back to the beginning of the season, the Dolphins beat the Patriots, the Ravens, and the Bills. Look at the 49ers schedule. They haven't beaten anybody. And they've lost to some pretty poor teams as well. And now Christian McCaffrey's a little banged up. Jimmy Garoppolo's a little banged up. Elijah Mitchell's out for six to eight weeks. This team is beatable. That's all I'm going to say. This team is beatable, and it, it starts, at least on defense, it starts with getting pressure on Garoppolo. Yeah, maybe I'm ignorant, but I, I retweeted something I said uh, back in July, and it was basically that Jimmy G is really just Ryan Tannehill after eating all-you-can-eat soup, salad, and breadsticks at the Olive Garden. I mean, we've seen a quarterback like this before. You're right, Jake. Dolphins absolutely have success with these, you know, I guess tall, lanky quarterbacks that kind of just hang around in the pocket. I do see this as a game that the Dolphins can absolutely take advantage of, especially when uh, Christian McCaffrey did not practice today. I mean, if he's out, I mean, and then Elijah Mitchell on top of that, I mean, they're going to wish they had Jeff Wilson back, to be honest. But uh, part of the thing and kind of the lore around this game that's starting to circulate is, has come from social media. And Jake, I've written down here, uh, go long TDs, Tyler, I'm not even going to pronounce it, Tyler Dunn, is that it? I We'll say that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, razor. Yeah. So he had a he'd had a sit down interview with Raheem Moster, which he then he did reach out to me via DM and did say, you know, this did happen. You know, he absolutely said this stuff. So um at one point Moster said we have way better talent here. And he all went on to say, we have a quarterback who can actually sling it. And that seemed to have run players the complete wrong way. I know we saw Debo Samuel taking to Twitter, you know, voice in his opinion. Um, tell me your guys' thoughts on that and just how much, you know, more meaning this game could have to some of those guys like Raheem Mostert and Mike McDaniel, you know, spent most of his career there. And obviously Jeff Wilson as well. Debo's out here getting all pissed off about it when wasn't Debo the one asking for a trade all offseason? Yep. He won out of San Francisco as well. <laughs> he was like eating hypocr- dinner with uh, Mike McDaniel in Miami at one point. Everyone was like, you can come here and be the wide receiver three if you want. Little hypocrite. I got a stat for you guys. Do you guys know who the San Francisco 49ers leading rusher on the year is? Are you trying to figure out and get George Kittle involved in this somehow? (laughs) Do you know who the leading rusher for the 49ers is this year? Is it Jeff Wilson? It's Jeff Wilson. That's awesome. It is so awesome. It is Jeff Wilson. And do you know of their running backs, which running back has the lowest yards per carry average? Is it McCaffrey? 
it's all, Christian McCaffrey. Come on, don't rub Christian. Don't be talking bad about Christian McCaffrey. It's Christian McCaffrey. That's all I'm saying. It seems like the 49ers wish they had the Dolphins run game right about now. Except for last week, right? Eh, whatever. <laughs> so to bring it back, I, I can't find it, but as someone who has worked at a newspaper, I, I'm not going to say I'm better than any other reporter in the world, but it's something special when someone is willing to sit down and open up with you and there's no doubting everything Raheem Mostert said is or is quoted as is completely true. But look at the context around it. He says we have a quarterback can, that can sling it. And instantly this guy brings up Jimmy Garoppolo. Like there is a there is such a sense of stirring the pot here. And you see how Debo reacted. And and Mostert came out the next day and said, yeah, I, I hit up Debo and we were good. I think there's there's just something so wrong about taking advantage of someone willing to open up and give you such a perspective on their life. I mean, I don't know how this guy got a sit down uh, interview with Mostert, but he did him dirty. I, I know you can sit here and say these quotes happened, but not once in any of these quotes are the 49ers even mentioned. Well, so. I think Mostert came out and he explained like kind of the most uh, defamatory comment that was, that was, you know, lauded against him was that he said, we have way more talent here. And what he was talking about, according to Mostert, he wasn't saying we in Miami have more talent than they do in San Francisco. He was saying the 2022 Miami Dolphins have more talent than past years in Miami, then the roster. He was on the from, team. He would know. Yeah, 2021, 2020. He's not saying that this group of skill players is better than the Niners group of skill players. He could Niners, have said that. He could have said that. Niners actually have really good skill players. You know, if you take the quarterbacks out of it, because I would take Tua Tungavailoa over Jimmy Garoppolo 24 seven all day every day. But you got George Kittle. You got Brandon Ayuk. You got Debo Samuel. You got Christian McCaffrey. That's a really good. That's a really good group there and the Dolphins have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell and Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert and, you know if you want to add in guys like Gasicki and Sherfield and Craycraft like that, that's pretty evenly matched offensive teams here so I I do buy Mostert's excuse or his reasoning here where he said he wasn't comparing the Dolphins to the Niners he was comparing this year's Dolphins team to past year's Dolphins teams I think it's a shame that this is the part of the article that's getting dissected so much. Cause if you read it, it's a really well done three-part article. You know, a lot of the focus was on Tua Tungavailoa. A lot of the focus was on Mike McDaniel and that was some really insightful stuff. Uh, and then he adds this stuff in here with Raheem and Raheem takes uh, umbrage with it. And so do a lot of the 49ers players and, you know, we'll see if it adds any fuel to the fire for Sunday's matchup. But uh, apparently it is in the eyes of Debo Samuel and some of the other 49ers players. I don't know. Raheem came out and said him and Debo are cool. I, I don't know. I just see like a situation here that that's, you know, someone wanted to be a flash in the pan and, and you took the short term clicks instead of just really getting to know someone and developing a relationship with someone and and, and really portraying their story. I, I think to me, I, there's a lot of bias here just being someone who's been a journalist who's interviewed a lot of different people who I thought I'd talk to for seven minutes and it turned into a 45 minute interview because they're comfortable and they understand. So there's some bias here. It's the end of the show. We're ranting a little bit, uh, but that's what I have. Guys. I just want to say we got to bring up Teron Armstead. Uh, I you know, was going there. Oh, okay, you were. Uh, well, I, I pulled up Travis Wingfield's tweet. He just has the injury report. Uh, Teron Armstead, Miles Gaskin, Melvin Ingram, and Austin Jackson did not participate. 
Looks like Ingram was the vet rest. And then Austin Jackson, Jerome Baker, Teddy Bridgewater, Raekwon Davis, and Raheem Mostert were limited. So um, sounds like Teron Armstead's going to give it a go, right? I mean, and that's just crazy knowing that he has a strained pec, which uh, our fake-ass doctor told me was actually little tiny tears within the My ligament. I had no idea. Microscopic. Microscopic. Okay, that sounds better. For a little background, <laughs> also, uh, the the title we gave Barrett comes from Cam Akers coming out and saying that uh, all before the season, talking about all the fake-ass internet doctors saying that he won't be ready for the season. So we decided to give Merrick that title as he provides this insight. Um, I tweeted out after seeing this that Tron Armstead is the GOAT. And it's not even like, I'm not trying to sit here and pressure guys into playing if they're hurt because I'd, I'd never be for that go get healthy but the fact he is sitting here and willing and telling people he wants to play I remember what 2015 just Brandon Elbert doing some sort of interview where he was away from the team because of injuries and him just kind of seeing highlights and him rolling his eyes and looking depressed the fact we have someone who's sitting here and just doing everything he can and just being so positive about every aspect it doesn't matter to me if he plays or not the fact he has this tone and this vision I think that uh, means means the world to me and much like Christian Wilkins, Teron Armstead is kind of one of those player coaches where he's on the field kicking ass like he does each and every week, you know, when healthy and, and you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, he's healthy enough to play this weekend. But also he helps the guys in the film room, in the locker room. He keeps morale up. He, he coaches technique, you know. Robert Jones, I think Tua said it today in, in his media availability, how Teron Armstead took Robert Jones under his wing and, you know, was kind of teaching him how to be a better professional and teaching him some of the nuances of playing offensive line in this league. So to his, his impact on this team is a, an entirely underrated one. And I know Tyreek Hill gets all of the splash headlines for what he's done for this offense because, you know, he he's one of those skilled position players. But I think Teron Armstead's impact on this Miami Dolphins team this year has been just as great. Yeah, I think I said in the last podcast, I absolutely love Teron Armstead. And I truly think, you know, outside of maybe losing to a, uh, that would be the most devastating blow to this offensive line. So I love to hear that he's going out there. He's going to fight through it. Pray to God nothing bad happens, but when you're going up against that San Francisco 49ers pass rush, that defense that's currently ranked number one, you need Teron Armstead out here. Real quick before we wrap it up, though, Merrick, you want to throw a prediction out there? We know you're best friends with George Kittle. Um, what are your thoughts on this game? I'm sure this is going to be a negative way for us to get off of here, but what are you predicting for this weekend? Um, well, I'm best friends with George Kittle every week, except for the week when the Dolphins play the Niners. So I, I hope <laughs> I hope he has the worst game of his career uh, this week. It's really tough. It's really, really tough. I wish I had the benefit of knowing whether or not Teron Armstead's going to play, but I do feel like Mike McDaniel has the advantage. Um, I feel like he knows their personnel, whereas Kyle Shanahan does not know the Dolphins personnel outside of Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mostert, Sherfield, Craycraft. I think McDaniel has the advantage there. I'm going to take the Dolphins in this one. I think it's going to be a close one. I'll take them 27-24. Joshua House, Merrick Brief, thank you so much. The music is going so fast. So thank you, thank you, everyone, for listening to Finsider Radio. We will be back on Friday with a new show. But until then, fins up. Fins up. Fins up. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. When you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one, yes we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins.
As long as the kids are, I mean, if you can't hear the kids that much, we're good. They're just gabbing about some bullshit. Isn't that what we're doing? They're literally copying you. Yeah, when, th- that might be what they're doing. <laughs> when I did extra work at the uh, at WrestleMania 31, one of the guys who did extra work with me was the red dude from Yo Gabba Gabba, the kids show. Yes. <laughs> he kept bragging about it all day, too. He's like, well, when I'm on the set of Yo Gabba Gabba, and I'm like, dude, shut up. Nobody gives a shit. <laughs> This Things is going at the, this can can we put this in at the end after the the fight song? <laughs> I want nothing more because Josh, what would you do if one day you like walked into your children's room and they were just all sitting at a round table with fake microphones just yelling at you? What would, would you how horrified would you be? I mean, that's the future, right? I mean, I'm not surprised. I won't be surprised. They they sometimes say they're going to pretend they're dad and they sit in my seat with the microphone, but uh, I don't wish that upon them at all. That's cute. <laughs> I love this. I love this. Yeah, this this blog's at the end too. We actually surprisingly have some very fun and and segments. All right. <laughs>